Welcome to Two Stories. Like the tireless miners hauling black gold from the depths below us to power this great nation, me and my soft colleague here have plumbed the depths of our collective imaginations, returning with barrow loads of short stories to share with you, to fuel your drive to work or lunchtime stroll, or maybe you're washing the pots and can't stand your husband's rants about work. I think that's rain. I'm wearing sandals and you have not got a lid for those Pringles. Do you think I'd not noticed? You're not a rain detector. Can you stop interrupting me, please? I'm trying to introduce the show. Can I finish now? I'm sorry. I just knew it when you threw that lid away. You'd regret it. Yeah, of course. Carry on, though. It was top stuff. Just a little note, though, for when we do the evaluation afterwards. We need to talk about your tone, mate. My tone? Like I said, it's just a note for afterwards. Today, we'll be unearthing two narratives that explore the boss of the clock time. I did book the tickets for this. What? A guided tour of an old pit village? In the rain? Thanks, Doug, you really nailed it. Was the abattoir tour fully booked? Was Noel Edmonds' sex dungalow getting dewormed? So far, we've gone past what I'm sure is the same kebab house six times. Right there, look. A dentist is advertising a complimentary sleeve of fags for every tooth removed. And a billboard for a zoo that I can't recognise any of the animals. Hey, come on. I'm having a nice time anyway. We've got a meal deal each, the rain's not the type that burns, and I was going to surprise you with this later, but I tell you now, I've got us VIP tickets to Speedway. Oh, brilliant. I take it all back. What does a VIP Speedway experience involve, anyway? Mm, well, according to this flyer, look at it, we get a tin of tenants super and a little look in a box. But I don't want to go with you anymore. Anyway... I've written down this quote. Time is the most valuable thing a man can spend. What do you think about that? Where have you got that from? I just saw it. Saw it where? Written down. In a book or a microfiche? It was etched. Probably by a local philosopher. You've got to stop reading toilet doors. But for this once, actually, you are right. There is something to that quote. Time is a mysterious thing. You can invest it or save it, spare it or kill it. You can be in time or out of time, but it waits for no man. What do you think about that? Mm. I think your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. What? Quite poignant, isn't it? If you think about it. You can't just keep reading out quotes. For a start, I could do whatever I want. And that's Top Gun. It was on last night. And it's not all fiction. Not only is it bonkers that you've hijacked this introduction with weird quotes, that one's got absolutely nothing to do with time. Nothing to do with time? Are you an absolute idiot? Tom Cruise was pushing the limits in F-16 fast jets. Fast jets. Tom's little body has only a brief window of time when it can meet these demands. I don't like your stance on this. I bet you think Con Air is a rabbit delivery service. Okay, that's a very good point. Well made. And I'm man enough to admit it. But I'm also man enough to make a little note for our evaluation later. What's your note? Like I said, it's for after. We're now coming up to Rotherham's attempt at a wildlife park. It boasts 16 animals, including 11 that are living. Personally, I last visited whilst on a job with my friend Gary George. But that was a long time ago. Can we have a story to distract me from that smell? Good idea. Oh, Christ, is that a whale and a skip? Mm. 
Come in, come in, gather round and get comfy. This is a good one. So, they invented a brand new social media app where people could swap things and make friends and meet up to trade their old tat. At first it was great. The green people liked it because they said it reduced waste and helped people recycle. Local councils loved it because they said it harbored a sense of community. But it only took about two weeks before people started ruining it. People started swapping arms and tits. One bloke made the news after offing his wife and getting away with it, claiming he swapped half a bottle of bleach for a quiet afternoon. The value of everything changed. People stopped checking their bank balances and started checking their lofts. A bartering culture took over. Wheelbarrows of beanie babies would roll up and down the high street. Exchange rates began to appear. You could get a bag of potatoes for an old Walkman a new washing machine for a stack of old jazz mags, and a Tesla for about 16 Pokemon Shinies. Eventually, the practicalities of storing and transporting all these swapped items became untenable. Sainsbury's were spending more on warehousing their earnings than they were making in profit. The variety of items made accounting and international trade almost impossible, so the government waded in to standardize the whole system. They wanted a token that meant you didn't have to carry your items about, they tried out lots of things, leaves, Disney VHSs, Polaroids of landmarks, but they struggled to get the public to take it up. That was until the experiment with Panini stickers. Everything was given a value in terms of Panini stickers, whatever the item was. Then you just needed to carry these stickers around with you in your wallet. Some standardization came in when they made the stickers have certain values, like attacking midfielders were valued more than defensive players. Over time, the original paninis would wear out and fade, so the government would have to print their own. Debates would break out over who should be printed on them. It's hard to understand how in this day and age, we are yet to have an estate agent feature on our stickers. If it were up to me, I'd have Clarkson on the lot. Why can't we go back to Beanie Babies? They were cute. After a few years of silliness, with S Club 7 members and some Muppets featuring on the stickers, things calmed down a little. They stuck to historical figures, as they got fewer complaints. They went down to just four stickers of different values, and eventually stopped making them sticky. And that, children, is how cash was invented. Ladies and gentlemen, please be aware that the following is a drill. Please take no action. The following is a drill. Please take no action. Ah! Fire crack my left! Please help! Oh no, it's awful! Fucking hell! There's a woman who's melted down here! A marble red has caught her leopard print leotard! She's gone straight up! She didn't stand a chance! Please help us! Wait! Do you just sit there? Ah, look! Please do something! The seats are made out of petrol and they're so keen to ignite! How can you stand there while there's pensioners down there being reduced to little toothy piles of base sand? Please! 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 That concludes the fire drill. Please take any further alarms to be actual. Thank you. That was unusual. What do they even mine here? I don't know. Candles? If you put your arrow word down and concentrate, you might learn a few things. I think I'm pretty up on the themes. This place used to be dead good, and now it looks like Legoland after a fire. Mm, maybe we could get the driver on the show. Local history guest. 
We could quiz him about the crop circles we saw in that cow's flank, or the black goo the locals were scooping up into Oasis bottles, or that branch of the apple store that... Well, that was a tree. I don't know, he, he seems a bit unhinged. It'll be great. Hear an authentic voice for once, not just a set of cynical middle-class boys with hands like fromage Frey. All right, but you've got to go and get him and think of some good questions. Don't just leave it to me like that time I had to stand behind you and be your arms for a day. Listen, boy, I need to tell you something. Whoa, Gabrielle, how did you get there? I just saw you toddle down the stairs. And what are you wearing? Is, is that a tinfoil eye patch? I don't have time to explain. I have some very important information for you. I hope it's not about fashion, because you can keep that to yourself. Quick, we don't have much time. You're in grave danger. You need to start paying attention and listen to the busman. I am not Matt from your timeline. Ah, I see. Different timeline. Makes sense. What do I have to do to save the planet? Shove this biro up my arse? Listen, sad act. You've got minutes left to live. What? I can't say much, but things are going to get very Mad Max very quickly. And you die on this bus if you don't make the right decisions. When you're cowering in that chemical toilet, both of us are done for. Well, it seems like you can say quite a lot. I can't see me. Keep this safe. You'll need it later. I've got to go. What's this? A get out of the awful tour free card? Matt? Matt? Matt, where have you gone? I was only joking. Hello. Wait, I, how did you get over there so quick? What? Are you alright? Is this smog getting in your workshire lungs? An interesting fact. The smog these days is 60% vape. What was that? John can't come up on the top deck on account of having to drive the bus. Should have really thought of that. And it also turns out he's got a violent fear of losing his toupee. But I managed to pipe him into our recording with this walkie-talkie so we can ask him questions when we need to. Thanks, John. That kind of statistic is worth a £2.30 ticket alone. John, this is Jack, my co-host and burden. Yeah, great idea. Let's welcome a probable murderer onto the show to drop in his insights. Maybe he could read us one of his stories smeared on the bathroom wall. Hi, John. Wonderful insight into a forgotten generation. A generation that was 60% kestrels. That's lovely stuff, John. It's quite a nice tour, this, isn't it? We're, we've just had a 30-minute stretch on the M18. What? A 26-mile masterpiece constructed in 1967 and upgraded to three lanes from two in 2014? Up in your ears, son. You might learn something. I just think getting the tour guide involved might not have been the best idea. Is he all right? Well, firstly, welcome aboard. A bit of uh, housekeeping. The toilet door is knackered and the offer of a free Big Mac meal on the reverse of your ticket was not made in conjunction with McDonald's. If you meet anyone called Gary George while staying in this wonderful town, please explain that I didn't know that the Austrians would turn on us just like that. He has got a name and I thank you to use it. He's not an object like a Pringle lid that you can just discard when you finish with it. Jack. Coming up on the right, beside the Centre for Falsified Documents, you'll be able to see the home of Sheila Shuttleworth, a dinner lady famously lambasted by Jamie Oliver. I think he's all right. Do you not find it bizarre that he keeps mentioning some bloke called Gary George? After the underpass, you'll be able to enjoy the view of a playing field. Oh, lordy, I'm going to have to boot it. Everyone grab onto something. That quad bike behind us is a bit close, isn't it? Bloody hell, he's got an effing petrol bomb in his hand. It's coming alongside the bus. 
What are they saying? He's shouting something at the driver, look. Hang on, I can almost make it out. You stitched us up. You made a deal with the Austrians, you bass. John, if you're going to give him some back, do it into the walkie-talkie. It was your idea to sell the sea lines to the Austrians, Gary. I didn't know they'd screw us over. Yeah, I believe that at the time. Then a week later, you had a brand new luggage rack, and your mum got an MOT. Where'd you get that sort of cash from, eh? Christ, he's thrown a petrol bomb. We need to get off. Press the bell. The stairs are blocked by the flames. Flames, Matt. Thanks to the preparedness of our crew, you will be pleased to know the stairs are nearly no longer on fire and the structure of the bus is pretty much fine. Gary is a vengeful man, but also a lazy one, so I would imagine that would be all the violent retribution you will see today. Next, we will be stopping at Britain's worst-reviewed kennel. What are you doing? I'm getting off. Why? Are you not listening? He just said that's all the violent retribution for today. And you'll miss the kennels. Apparently the owner is a cat. Pass me my Yazoo, I'm getting off. Really sorry about this, lads. That wasn't part of the tour, but I won't be charging you to cover the fire damage. To put it right, I'll get some speed up and go over some speed bumps. John, what's going on? Are you okay? It all seems a bit much for you. Look, lads. It's Gary George. G Gary George. He's like a stain you just can't remove. Three years ago, I hit rock bottom. No one bothered with my tour. Things were getting tight. I, I could barely afford the diesel. But then Gary came and offered me a way out. A lifeline. He'd got me delivering packages to his wildlife park. You know, the one we passed earlier. And never asked any questions. Sometimes the packages would shuffle about, hoot and occasionally urinate. But I always looked the other way and then they built a speedway track and there was demand again and demand for the tour again. But after working with Gary, he's got me over a barrel and I'm in over my head. My name's all over the import papers for his unusual and exotic animal hybrids. He's even got a picture of me kissing the egg boy. This is what you get for trying to go clean. A petrol bomb tossed at your head. Oh no, John. You don't deserve this. This has been an excellent tour, and you're a really nice man. So you're telling us that Gary George has packed that place full of lab monsters? I'm coming down. You need a hug. No. I'm covered in petrol. I'm not bothered, John. I'm not Gary George. I'm not a monster. No one sets fire to my friend and gets away with it. What is going on? I haven't had a day like this since I... I warned you. Look, this isn't over yet. You need to stay out of danger and protect the bus man. I'm not going to lose you again. And take it from me, the Speedway VIP experience is worth every penny. You're going to want to see what's in that box. Matt, you've got to stop mucking around. Are you really from the future? Did, did it ever come out? What? What ever come out? About, you know, that year I spent living in your kitchen cupboards like a house mouse. That was you. I was absolutely terrified. I thought I had a fat ghost like Casper's brothers. Clearly not then. Can you take off the foil eye patch? Come here you soppy get. We're here for you. Jack come down here and give this busman a bloody cuddle. 
What? How are you down there? Uh, Matt, where's he gone? That fire has really shook him up, you know, poor little mite. He wants to give the bus a clean down, so we're heading to a very big car wash. I think we've got to get off the top deck for obvious reasons. Grab me back for life, would you? Whilst we've got a minute, uh, do you want to read a story? Today's story explores the perils of time travel. Imagine a time where time travel is commonplace, and with the purchase of a pod, you can even go back and forth through time from the comfort of your own home, or in the case of our protagonist, a pretty squalid flat in Middlesbrough. Turn the radio up, Donovan, insisted Gloria. This is an advertisement from Dr. Clock's Time Travel Limited. Ever wanted to roll back the years and dodge your current wife? Maybe you'd like to visit the future. Find out if we manage to save those bees. Or would you like to head back in time? Watch William the Conqueror scrap in a field with a load of Normans. Perhaps your goal is simple, and you'd like to get back to yesterday, to put the bin out on time. Whatever your time travel ambition, Dr. Clocks has got you covered. But we don't stop there. Are you a big boss, or a workplace manager? Team building days at work getting a bit dull? Escape rooms, raft building and pony fighting not cutting it anymore? If that's the case, why don't you and your low-paid, undervalued staff head back to June 1940, where you can jump aboard a couple of Mark II British Crusader tanks and fight the Nazis in North Africa together. Nothing says workplace unity like heavy artillery. Donovan sat back in his armchair and shook his head. Just not me, all this time travel rubbish. If you could see some of the sorts I sell those machines to at work, you'd be horrified, Gloria. Donovan, who worked at Tech It Ralph, continued. I sold one yesterday to a man that wanted to go back in time to drink a pint of car and it is local because they've since taken it off draft. Really? I think it'd be great. Think about all the things you could see and do. Yeah, and they're a fortune, Gloria. We're dirt poor. I mean, look at your shoes, love. They're literally oven mitts with the adjoining material cut away. But Donovan's argument had arrived too late. Gloria was already sold and she was wading through multiple finance options on her phone. I'm taking the plunge. Plus, with your work discount, we'll get 12.5% off. Donovan rolled his eyes and grabbed his work jacket. On the back was a printed message that read, Ask me about RoboWife 6000. Tech It Ralph was everything you'd expect from your standard tech store. Lots of televisions all playing different films without a sound. A stand dedicated to general cables and some simulator games surrounded by a horde of virgins. He approached the Tide store and weaved through the annoying temporary walkways that had been installed on account of the annoying groundwork that was taking place just outside the shop. There was a new addition to the shop floor that morning and it couldn't be ignored. Music pumped from the Dr. Clock's exhibition that was located right by the store's entrance. Not this shit again. Dr. Clocks were promoting their latest time travel machine. Updates to the model now meant that travellers were able to travel and take a medium-sized pet or a sleeve of cigarettes. Donovan tried to ignore the fanfare and dive straight into dusting the air purifiers before familiarising himself with the new Kenwood smart microwaves. Microwaves were Donovan's area. 
and he was incredibly excited about the new line. The new Kenwood model did everything that a standard model could do, cooking processed lamb madrasas for lonely people and reheating yesterday's leftover for poor losers with little care for themselves. But it did much more too. Donovan raced through the instructions excitedly, pushing its capabilities to the limits. The robotic arm at the rear of the unit got to work and pulled a single cigarette from its packet, lighting and offered it up to Donovan. It even sprayed a jet of bubbles into the air, which looked fantastic. As he defrosted a dummy chicken breast, Donovan activated the disco function. An air horn sounded, and a projection of Tim Westwood appeared on an adjacent wall, yelling, Put your hands in the air, you lonely shit! No single customer paid any interest though. Instead, like a pack of zombies, they gawped at the Doctor Clock's exhibition, drooling over the idea of becoming a time tourist. As the morning passed by, Donovan's disdain turned to curiosity and intrigue. Should he find out what all the fuss was about? He still had trouble finding the value in time travel. After years of patronising podcasts, TV dramas, self-help books, all explaining that we should live in the moment, now it seemed that the last thing anyone wanted to do was remain in the present. At 10.30, Donovan was told to stop applying wax and polish to the Kenwood microwaves and take a break. The staff room was fucking miserable. A massive plastic circular table, a battered kitchen area that was home to two old tins of paint, each used for tea and coffee, and a kettle full of holes. Donovan poured himself a cuppa, ignoring the bergs of limescale that sloshed around inside. Sat at the table, he stared at the Tech It Ralph wellbeing commitment poster that read, At Tech It Ralph, we value your efforts, and to show our appreciation, from the 1st of March, each employee will receive a free weekly bag of whatever reduced and expired supermarket goods we can get our hands on. After a stinking morning, Donovan began to question some of his own decision making. Perhaps it was time to give the machine a whirl. The crowds had quietened down anyway. He settled on the idea and decided to start out small. He'd simply zoom forward sort of 22 hours or so, approximately 8.45am the next day. He'd be making his commute to work at that point. Donovan approached the machine. He thought it looked a bit like an 80s tanning bed, except there wasn't a sun-worshipping 52-year-old man with lizard skin underneath it. The Dr. Clock's employee, still working the exhibition, approached him. Hey man. You're looking for a trip into the future, or maybe a bit of memory lane? You look a bit sad, buddy. Why don't we have some fun? What do you say? Picture this. We beam you back to July the 15th, 2011. It's midnight and you're outside Cineworld. There's a massive queue for the film Titanic, and you yell, It fucking sinks! And roughly 1,500 die. There was a long pause. Donovan hated the chap instantly. Just take me to 8.30 tomorrow morning. I want to be outside this store. Got it? 10 minutes, no more. You really aren't getting the most out of this machine, man. I mean, just imagine how annoyed those cinema goers would... I just want to dip my toe in. Okay, we'll call my friend. Donovan eased himself onto the surface. A cold sweat formed on his brow and he took a deep breath. Okay, man, just to check, you haven't got any seafood or fresh dairy goods with an imminent expiry date in your pocket, have you? 
That shit will be spoiled when you arrive in the future. No, I haven't. C can we just get on with it? As you wish. Only one rule, remember. Don't interact with yourself. Before Donovan could confirm that he understood, the lid closed and sealed him into the panini-shaped machine. Inside, Donovan was blinded by an incredibly bright light and was then squirted in the face by a jet of cold water. The sound of heavy cogs turning filled his ears and before he knew it, a sock was removed and a single trouser pocket was turned inside out. All silent now, and the bright light had turned to absolute darkness. Then a sinking feeling set in, as if falling during a dream. In a single blink, the world before him reappeared, noisy and very real. He stood exactly outside Tekkit Ralph. It was just the same world as expected. After tucking his pocket back in and coming to terms with the lost sock, Donovan felt a sense of relief. It wasn't that bad. And in nine minutes, he'd be back to yesterday. The high street was busying up and Donovan perched himself on a concrete bench outside the store, watching life go by with a content smirk. The construction site by the main entrance churned up great amounts of dust and noise, whilst a load of busy commuters watched the man turn green before crossing the road. Donovan spotted himself. A strange sensation washed over him, and he was conscious about not making eye contact. He looked dumpier and paler than he realised. The road crossers weaved through the temporary walkway by the building site, using them to skirt around the massive hole in the road. Four minutes until Donovan would be taken back, a successful trip to the future so far. But then a scream travelled above the car engines, hissing buses and even the pneumatic drill that soon came to an abrupt stop. A crowd of people gathered around the construction site and a couple of men in Hive's outfits used a ladder to exit the hole. The crowd grew and grew until Donovan himself felt he was drawn to the commotion. Oh Christ, called one bystander. Get an ambulance, bellowed another. My coffee's burnt my mouth, stated someone else. Whipped up in the moment, Donovan felt compelled to find out what was going on. He was in the thick of the crowd now when he spotted Gloria, head in hands, weeping uncontrollably. Two minutes left. Donovan couldn't keep up with the events that were unfolding. A shoulder thudded into his back. An emergency worker pushed past Donovan and thrust him forward. It gave him full view of the massive dusty hole. At the bottom of it, a motionless body. It was Donovan himself. Enjoy your visit to tomorrow morning, did ya? The lid slowly opened and Donovan, now pale and speechless, sat up. Yeah, it, it, it was fine. Trying to make sense of the events, the world around him seemed far away and slightly muted. He was experiencing shock. Donovan stormed towards the store's entrance. His boss, Mr. Trestlewhistle, stood ahead of him. Donovan, where are you going? We've got to deliver a robot wives turning up in five minutes. Donovan paused, looked him dead in the eye, and told him, Mr. Trestlewhistle, Get out of my way, and for the love of God, get that ulcer on your back treated. It really fucking stinks. He left the store and immediately made the journey home, even passing the massive hole in the road where he was due to die in little over 21 hours. Back at the shithole flat, Gloria unpacked her new purchase, the time travel machine from Dr. Clocks. 
Donovan stormed through the door and retold his story to Gloria, no time to be furious about her new purchase that they couldn't afford. Gloria, a little confused, sat on the uncomfortable sofa that was made out of sandbags. Just sit down and let's figure this out. It sounds like you know what's going to happen, so solving this should be pretty straightforward. Donovan nodded. He lowered his panicky body into the equally uncomfortable armchair that was made from milk crates that had just been paper mache together. I, I, I'll just call in sick, right? And I'll just, just don't go in tomorrow. Or you could go in, but instead just take a different route and don't go past the construction site. I mean, you fell down a hole, so just don't fall down the hole. Equally, I'm sure Mr. Trestlewhistle will be fine if you need a sick day. He's kind and caring and handsome. Donovan, a little surprised by her admiration for Trestlewhistle, was adamant that the best way forward would be to avoid the day altogether and settled on throwing a sickie. He pulled out his Motorola razor from his pocket and messaged Mr. Trestlewhistle to lay the groundwork for tomorrow's sickie. Just had a takeaway from Zoo Waste Grill and Kebab House, and now feeling very ill. Think the giraffe meat wasn't cooked. We'll have to take tomorrow off. Mr. Trestlewhistle replied immediately. Hi Donovan, thanks for letting me know. Surprised to hear that though, I had a wonderful penguin wrap from Zoo Waste only last Thursday. By the way, I'm still very upset about your comment relating to my ulcer and I would like an apology. At around 8am, Donovan woke the next morning. He knew that by simply staying at home, everything would be fine, but he was still apprehensive for some reason. At approximately 8.37, he should be dead in a dirty hole. By 8.10, he couldn't stop thinking about what should be about to happen. And he'd heard that if you'd want to get a song that's stuck in your head, out of your head, the only way to do it was to listen to that song. And with that knowledge, he decided to re-watch his death. Approaching Gloria's new investment, Donovan banged the digits into the display on the time machine before climbing aboard. He'd set the timer to five minutes. That's all he needed. Before he could say, golf fashion is awful, he was stood outside Tech It Ralph. The drill pounded away sure enough and the traffic rumbled on and on and a crowd of commuted across the road. Within that crowd was himself and Gloria, who would often commute with him on her way to work at John Wick's Candle Emporium. He checked his watch, 8.36. There they were, hand in hand amongst a dense crowd of workers. They stepped onto the plastic temporary walkway that skirted the construction site. Now beside the hole, in conversation with Gloria, Donovan struggled to see where his fall would come from. But that quickly became clear pulling her left hand from her pocket and at the same time uncoupling her right hand from Donovan's. She gave a discreet but firm nudge in Donovan's lower back. Donovan couldn't believe what he was seeing. Time was up. The time machine's lid slowly opened. Donovan hauled himself out of the machine, only to feel a hand in his chest. No, you don't, Donovan. Mr. Trestlewheel, what the fuck are you doing here? Get your filthy hairy hand off me. Trestlewhistle must have arrived whilst Donovan was in the pod. He was leant over Donovan now, holding firmly against the machine. I want you to hear this before I kill you, Donovan. Me and Gloria have been seeing each other for three months and we're in love. 
They've even cancelled my reorder of the RoboWife 6000. But Donovan was a slippery fox with a mean left hook. Using Trestle Whistle's gross weight against him, he pulled his attacker towards him before slamming the lid on his flabby head. Ah, oh, my fucking ulcer's burst! Donovan slipped away and let Trestle Whistle's body fall into the machine. Let me out! cried Trestle Whistle. Ulcer Puss ran down the side of the machine and Donovan pulled the lid firmly shut, whilst hammering digits into the control panel. You're an awful man, inside and outside, Trestle Whistle. Enjoy 1848 Scunthorpe and a very testing cholera outbreak. Well, wait, Donovan. Be reasonable. But his bargaining had come too late. Trestle Whistle looked around him. The place fucking hummed. Six crowns per kilo of pork. A chalk-filled A-board stood outside a newspaper stand. Trestle Whistle read its contents. Cholera outbreak hit Scunthorpe hard. Shit. Please move forward. Your bus was really filthy. I need the bloody wipers. We're still covered in suds. I can't see a thing. What's going on? Exit's blocked. Oh, no. Who's that in the plastic picnic chair taped to the roof of that Renault McGann? Is that who I think it is? Gary, Gary George. George! You've reached your final destination. All change, please. You two collect nuts rattling round in there. Should probably shuffle off before things get a little bit more set on fiery. What are we going to do, busman? If I go down at the hands of George, I'm going down like a gentleman. This is your stop. Get off, boys. Go on, Jack. Now's your chance. You've been desperate to get off this since we started this tour, haven't you? Hey, Matt. You know what's the destination on my ticket? Um, Pit Swamp Lane, I think. What's that got to do with anything? It says family. What about yours? Mine says ride or die, brother. Time's up, busman. You're about to learn what happens when you cross Gary George. And the egg boy. Leave it, egg boy. Let's ride. The McGann getting freaks. Yeah. You can't get away, boss man. You're not as quick as you used to be. They're right behind us. There's too many of them. We can't get away. They're trying to get on the top. We can't let them get that juicing lock ladder on the top deck. What can we do? In the toilet. Get the bleach, the bog row, anything you can lob at them. Yes, sir. Naughty busman, you're gonna get scrapped. Oh. I got him with the bog brush. He's swerving all over the gaff. They're getting close. They're nearly on us. Under the back seat, there's a Gatling gun. What? You didn't mention this earlier? It's more of an ornamental Gatling gun, but it's heavy. Copy that, George. Oh, have you got it? One, two, three. We got the egg boy. He won't be accelerating anytime soon. Hey, I loved him once. I can't keep this speed up. I've got nothing left in the tank. We tried to be reasonable, busman. Now I'm going to have to do some pretty unsavoury things. Oh, prepare to be boarded, boys. 
find somewhere to hide and don't come out whatever happens. This is my battle. He's not interested in you. Where? The toilet, quick. Open up, busman. Your judgment hath cometh. Gary! You've been a very naughty busman. It's not right what you're doing to those animals. You can't play God. It's sick what you're doing to those hybrids and your gang of freaks. This world's not ready for chimeras. It's not natural. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, thank you for your input. But I don't take my business advice from a busman. This place is disgusting. Look at it. Dirty. Falling apart. Broken. You've served your purpose, John. It's time for you to meet my latest creations. No! No! Please, no! He's coming this way. Shh! He knows we're here. What do we do? Wait, the box you gave me. I didn't give you a box. Not you, future you. I don't have time to explain. <sighs> Open it. What is it? It's... It's a gun. A gun? I really was expecting that. Whatever it was, I'd have to shove it up my arse. Oh, look, someone left a couple of floaters. Shoot it. Shoot him. I, I, just shoot him. That doesn't seem right. He's just killed a busman. It's him or us. Shoot him. What? No, 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 no. It's a toy. Look at him. He wants it. Throw it. Throw it at him. Leg it. Busman, no. Come on, look at him. We can't help him now. Busman, can you hear me? Busman, please. Matt, we've got to get off this bus. You're right about that. I think we need to talk about the damage you've done to my McGann. Take him outside. Wait, get off. Get, those, get your filthy hands off me. Right, you dirty little pair. You've made a right mess of my McGann. Not to mention the Egg Boy's quad bike. Look at that. That's human turd on the windshield. That's disgusting. You're going to have to lick it off, and then you're going to have the same fate as the bus boy over there. No, no, please. We're just trying to record a podcast. We're nobody. Speak for yourself. I'm not the one living in your kitchen chassis. I told Future Matt that in confidence. Did he tell you? That was me trying to get you into this tour. But you knew we'd end up in the toilet. We always end up in a toilet. Get licking, boys. What? If I'm going down, I'm taking you with me, Gary George. <laughs> Bossman, you're alive. Not for long, boys. No, we can get you to a hospital. <laughs> there aren't hospitals for people. Things like me. Bossman, you're not making sense. Matt, my boy, lift up the blanket on my lap. What? I don't understand. Where are your legs? It's... it's just pipes. 
You're going to be okay. We just need to get you off the bus. No, you're not paying attention. I am the bus. Two Stories is written and produced by Matthew Oxley and Jack Barton. Performed this week by Matt and Jack as themselves, Stephen Barton as the busman, and Stan Barton as Gary George. Mm-hmm.